Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson. Welcome back, listener. Rob Tyson here. And in the last episode, I talked to Ian Sanders about the power of story for your business. It was a good show. So do catch up on that one if you missed it. Had a good chat with Ian. Um, I'm here today, though, with Krista Miller. Now, Krista through her company, Summit in a Box, does something really interesting. She helps entrepreneurs three times their monthly revenue through virtual summits uh, without wondering where to start or what to do next. And her method is focused on strong connections, collaboration, and making a difference. And today, our topic we're going to be talking about is how to host your first profitable online summit. So I'm really interested in this topic, looking forward to getting into it. And before we do get into it, though, if you're listening to this show, chances are good you have professional expertise, and it could be you want to monetize that through an online learning program. Well, if that is the case, before you rush off and start creating content, please take a few moments to watch my free web class, because it's going to explain why the Ascension model or value ladder you may have heard about is usually a really bad approach for people in your position. Not only is it likely to make you peanuts, but you won't be giving maximum value to your clients either. There is a much better way if you would like to generate real meaningful cash flow quickly and get on the right track with productizing your expertise online. And my web class will show you how to do that. That is free. All you need to do is pop along to robtyson.net forward slash class to get the web class. Uh, That is robtyson.net forward slash class. So with that all said, Krista, welcome. Great to have you here. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to chat all about summits with you. Yeah, I, no, well, me too, because this is a really interesting topic for me. And let's open up with my first question for you. What is an online summit? I mean, how do you define this term? What does it mean? Yeah, so when I'm trying to define it for people, I like to have them think about a virtual or not on virtual, excuse me, an in-person conference and what that looks like. So you're bringing together, you know, a group of people to come speak uh, to attendees about different topics related, relating to an overall topic. A virtual summit is the same except online. So there's one host, they have an overall goal or topic in mind for the summit and they're inviting speakers on who can speak about smaller topics inside the overarching topic. And then attendees from all over the world can come and tune into these presentations. Usually for 24 hours is how long the free access lasts. But the goal is really to let the attendees come and get these these pieces of information that they wouldn't be able to get for free together anywhere else and really help them start making steps towards whatever the goal of the summit is. Mm -hmm. And are there other words that we we might use instead of summit? I mean, do you just, do people sometimes call these things online conferences? I mean, yeah, you're not. Yeah. 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 Uh, Virtual conferences, online conferences, online, uh, they say events. I've seen people say like interview series. There's kind of, just all kinds of different words. I would say online conference is like the most common alternate, but there's people using all kinds of different words who for some reason don't want to say the word summit. Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting. Interesting. And what are some of the different models of of summit we could use? Yeah. So there's a few coming to mind. Um, 
I guess the first one is is the most common, and that is a free a summit that's free to attend. Uh, so attendees can register for free. They can get access to the presentations for usually about 24 hours for free. Um, and with that, there are usually 20, 30 speakers uh, at that kind of summit. Uh, from there, the host can upsell to an all-access pass, and that's how they can make money. I'm happy to talk about that in more detail as we go. Um, but that's kind of the most common. Those ones usually last around three to five days, most commonly five, but I'm seeing more and more people now cut down and go going between three and five. Um, another one it, that's talked about a lot is a one-day summit. So people who don't want to, you know, go through the work of getting, what, 30 speakers and having this thing go on for five days, maybe they have something really specific they want to talk about related to an offer, uh, they will host a one-day summit instead. Usually usually around five to eight speakers in a one-day summit. And again, those are usually run for free with the option to upgrade for ongoing access. And then the third one is a paid summit. So instead of being able to access the presentations for free for a limited amount of time, people charge for entry to the summit, basically. Uh, usually with these, people then automatically get the ongoing access to the presentations. They're not limited by 24 hours or anything like that, but they're basically getting a ticket to attend the event, kind of like you would with an in-person conference. Mm -hmm. And which model do you like the best and why what are what are the what are the big and what are the big benefits of, of the model Tell, talk to us a little bit about that yeah so i am a big fan of the the first model i mentioned which is free attendance uh three to five days long 20 to 30 speakers and this is the one i have seen work best that work the best for most industries now there are some industries where the paid model works great for a lot of us, the, the paid model is not going to work well. Instead, what you're going to see is you get so many fewer people who are willing to pay for that ticket. And the reason that the free entry works so well is there's no barrier there. People are like, oh, I can get all of this for free. Awesome. And then you have the rest of the event to convert them to your all-access pass, which is, which is so much more powerful. And I have a customer, her name is Kara, and she was just on my podcast comparing to the two because she her first two summits were paid summits her most recent was a free summit uh, and her first couple summits had about 60 attendees and brought in two thousand dollars her most recent had i want to say two thousand attendees and sixteen thousand dollars so it was so it it let her get so many more more leads into the summit by having it for free she was able to just see so many more profit so much more profit excuse me um, but like i said there are some industries where the paid summit works fine. I see this work better for people in more like professional niches. Like if you're targeting like lawyers and doctors and stuff like that, like they're used to having to pay when they're going to go learn about something. Uh, but for most of us, the free model is what works the best. Yeah, I like that. And one, you know, some of the times that I've, I've noticed people doing summits, which seems like a really smart thing to do is perhaps when they're launching a new business um, or launching a new product or side of business that can be a really good application can't it because it can be a pretty effective way to build your authority and get a lot of leads in the door quite quickly yeah it's so powerful when you're doing something like that i really love using it for launching something new or you know something that you already have because yeah you're getting those leads that are you know, really interested in what you're doing if you position your summit the right way. They're warmed up, they're excited by the end of your summit, and then you have this thing to help them take it even further, you know, and make it nice and easy for them. And as the host of the summit, so you, you're, you are, you're interviewing these other experts, is that normally how you would be 
presenting that content? Yeah, it's usually about 50-50. I have never done uh, an all-interview summit just because I, I don't like doing interviews. I don't want to yeah. sit on 30 <laughs> interviews. Um, some people love doing it that way. I like to have my speakers just pre-record their presentations. Like, you know, most of them use a slide deck. I, I personally like that because, one, I'm not required to get on 30, 60-minute calls with all these people. Mm -hmm. Um, But also then they're able to really present their information in a way that fits their topic the best. They're not limited by the questions I'm asking. They can, you know, say here, here's, here's the teaching, the overall teaching on this topic. And here's action steps you can take a little more easily than if they were being interviewed. But there are a lot of really great, you know, purely interview summits out there as well. It's kind of up to the preference of the host your comfort with interviews, your skill with interviews, because you don't want to have 30 boring interviews either. Um, but I like doing the presentations. And and so would you typically be presenting something of your own? You know, would you do a session of your own at your typical summit? Or would you just kind of leave that to the experts in, in inverted commas? Yeah, I always recommend doing your own presentation as well. A really big benefit of summits is that increased visibility. So I, you know, I always say, Every opportunity you can get to get in front of these people during your summit, do it. They need to know who you are and that you're the host. Um, I know some people who do their own presentation daily during their summit, uh, but definitely have have one presentation that you do, whether it's you know mixed in with the rest, a keynote, something like that. But definitely get yourself in there. Yeah, no. As, as you're talking about it, I can see it would be mad not to do that, wouldn't it? So <laughs> I've seen a lot of people who don't. So it's, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and. Um, What's your what's your view on uh, selling during the summit content? I mean, is that so? At one end of the spectrum, you could consider that a complete no-no. At the other end, I'm sure there are summits where it's very much it's pretty much all anyone is doing. So, where do you what do you think is the right balance? I mean, do you, you know do you think well you know people could be paying for the content and therefore it's not really we shouldn't be pitching too much or just talk to us about that? What's your feeling? Yeah, so I have found just through, you know, experience with my own summits that the more I can focus on the attendees and the speakers during the summit, the more I'm going to get out of it myself. So I don't pitch my own offers during the summit. I am selling them that all access pass though. And that is so powerful. And it doesn't mean you can't sell your own product later. So here's what I recommend. Uh, you know, people register for free and immediately. They're getting an offer for the access pass for the first time. And then if they don't buy, they're kind of seeing that offer all throughout the summit. My last summit made $60,000 just through that all access pass. So that is a really great thing to focus on. It's, it's giving them the ongoing access to the presentations that they like. I really like including extra bonuses to help them take it even further. Um, but they're really able to focus in on that content. A challenge I see with trying to sell, you know, one of your programs or something in a summit is they're all so focused on trying to watch all these presentations and retain the information that it's kind of like just a distraction and like a fly they're trying to swat away if you're like constantly pitching them with something, um, something else. So I always wait until, you know, there are some people who do like a keynote presentation, the last presentation on the last day, and that's like their webinar where they're pitching their offer. Other people, you know, wait till the week after or maybe two weeks after. I wouldn't go any longer than that. Um, but it's kind of positioned as an extension to the summit, but it's a webinar helping them, you know, take it one step further. But here is, here's my program. Here's an offer. Yeah. 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 No, interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. No, that's really good. And how big should we aim for our first summit? Because obviously you mentioned, you know, one of the models is with 20 or 30 speakers and 
if someone's brand new to to this, that will sound very daunting and maybe isn't where they should um, start anyway. So what do you think is a good uh, a good number of speakers, a good duration if you're just doing this for the first time? Yeah. So if you're someone doing this for the first time and maybe you feel a little intimidated by it, I would stick to a three day summit with 15 speakers. Once you start getting those speakers on, if you're like, oh, you know, this is easy. This isn't so bad. You can always change your mind and add a couple of days. I just had someone in my program do this actually yesterday as we're recording this. She was like, hey, like this isn't so bad. Is, would it be worth it for me to add five, 10 more speakers? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so I would say uh, 15 speakers, three day mark is a good place to start with your first one. You can still get really great results with that if you position it the right way and choose the right speakers. Okay. Uh, that's really helpful. And how do we pick a good topic for the summit and should we go quite broad with the subject matter or is there more value in in being quite niche what do you think i love this question i love this question and i am all about getting as specific as you can and i like to give an example to kind of help illustrate this um so for most of us if we're like scrolling through facebook and we see a facebook ad on a summit to help online business owners grow their business we're like, I don't care. You know, we probably don't mm -hmm. even think that because it didn't catch our attention enough for, e for us to even have a thought. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of people in my in uh, in my program who are like wedding professionals. So I use them as an example. If some, if like a wedding planner is scrolling Facebook and she sees an ad uh, for a summit to help wedding planners book out their client schedule using Instagram. Heck yes, that's going to stop her in her tracks and she's going to sign up for that. Uh, and there's so much more room to make an impact for these attendees when you're doing it that way. Because instead of learning like one-on-one -on -one level information to grow her business, she is learning stuff really specific and unique to her industry uh, and how and exactly the steps she needs to take to do it. So I'm really all about getting as specific as possible. As for how to do it, I usually recommend that people start with their audience. Uh, a lot of us, you know, find ourselves targeting online business owners, entrepreneurs, things like that. Like that's too broad. So what I tell people to do is who are the subsets in your audience? Look at people who are purchasing your products, your services. What subsets do they fall into? And which one of those are you most excited about working with? Do you relate the most? Find that audience, focus on them. Like that's the audience for your summit. And then I say, get on a couple calls with people. Even if it's just three 15-minute calls, talk to them and learn exactly what their real problems are. Not what you think they are. I would have got that so wrong with my first summit if I did what I thought their problem was. But I found it out from them. Host a summit to solve that problem. And that is how you make one that stands out, gets you incredible results, and gets them incredible results. Yeah, really interesting. And uh, and would you be just you just be quite open in that conversation? You say, hey, I'm thinking of, thinking of doing a summit. What, you know what's the kind of thing that would get you to um to give up three days or whatever i mean do you frame it like that or how do you what kind of conversation do you have yeah so i don't i don't come at it quite like that i usually ask someone who who i know in my audience you don't have to do that that's just what i do uh I say hey can we get on a 15 20 minute call for me to ask you a couple questions in return i'll reserve five minutes for you to ask me questions so that they're getting something out of it too and i just kind of ask questions about their business and like dig deep. So ask them about a little bit about what they do so I can see how they talk about what they do. Ask what they're struggling with. Ask what their goals are. Because And then why? 
Why is that your goal? Why is that a struggle? Um, and that really helps with messaging. So the struggle is great for, you know, hitting that in your messaging. And, and so is the goal, because then you can say, here's what the summit's going to do for you and use their, their words in it. So I keep it really simple like that. But if they say something kind of vague, like, you know, uh, my goal is to get more clients. Why? Why is that your goal? And keep asking questions like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I really like that. That's really good. And so people up to this point, they're listening, they think, yeah, I love this idea. Uh, Krista, I want to do this as soon as possible. How much time do they need to leave themselves to do their research and prepare and do all this kind of stuff? What would you say? So my recommendation isn't what most people like to hear, but I really love to see first-time hosts give themselves 90 days. And it's not 90 days of you just hustling hard 24-7 to get this thing out there. Uh, It takes time for you to research. It takes time for you to find potential speakers and connect with them rather than just sending you know, 30 cold pitches. It takes time to hear back from those people once, you know, once you send the pitch. You have to give them time to either make their presentation or schedule an interview with you. You want to figure in about three weeks for promotion. So there are a lot of things in there that aren't totally reliant on you doing all the work. Uh, There is a very good amount of work that goes into especially the first one when you're figuring out your positioning, setting up the tech and your website and writing all your copy. Uh, But 90 days is a really great spot to sit for the first one. I've had people do it in two weeks. I have people who take six months, but 90 days is what I have found as the sweet spot. And uh, your question occurs to me, just as you were, you were explaining that, um, to what extent can we repeat uh, summits? Uh, I mean, I don't mean repeat the exact same content, but I mean, like, for example, you know, if you have a, if you have a summit on some aspect of email marketing this year, is that the kind of, kind of thing you might do annually? Because the, you know, the texture, I don't know, what do, what, what's your approach to this? I mean, do you, do you see these things as one-offs or are they things that can be repeated? Yeah, so there is so much power in repeating your summit. Um, one, because it gets so much easier. So my first summit, I've estimated, took me 500 hours to put together. And that's because I was starting from scratch. I didn't have any resources. Uh, I couldn't find any podcasts about it. Like I was figuring this all out. So 500 hours for my first summit, my most recent took me 60 because I, you know, I have all the pages done, the messaging is done, the copy's there, you're making little tweaks. And the biggest part is reaching out to new speakers and getting the information you need from them. So it gets so much easier. Uh, and I have actually repeated the same summit, same topic uh, for three years in a row now. And each time has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So like you can totally repeat the same summit over and over and just keep getting bigger results too. And it's way easier after that first time. Um, why do you think it gets bigger and better each time? I think because, well, I think there's two things. One is just the the increased visibility you have for that first one. You know, after my first, before my first summit, I had an email list of 500 people. After it, I had 1,500. So I was like, okay, I'm promoting to three times as many people. There's number one. Number two is, at least for me, I got braver with who I was pitching and figured out, uh, what the right what the right people were to pitch so instead of just pitching people I knew and people I was comfortable with I figured out well hello why am I not pitching people that only have the exact same audience as my summit like it's so obvious now but it took me three summits to figure out Uh, so that was definitely uh you know a game changer as far as the, the growth goes as well figuring out which speakers get you the best results and pitching as many people like that as you can is you know huge for seeing a summit grow 
Yeah, right. And and as you allude to there, I guess that it helps to show the better speakers you've got a track record and uh you know they you know they're going to be that much more receptive aren't they but if they can see that you've done it before and it was good yeah there was actually someone i pitched for uh last year's summit and she said no and this year i came back to her again and was like and was able to say hey here were our numbers from last year there's yeah. this i think it was how much was it 2500 2500 people just from your audience last year we're expecting even more this year do you want to be a part of it and then it was a heck yes you know once i had those numbers to show her and for the first summit where i didn't have great numbers i was still getting yes yeses from people i didn't expect to uh, but it just does, it gets easier both on your confidence and on them saying yes as you go yeah no really good really good and what kinds of things do we say to potential speakers to interest them that's a great question. So the first thing that makes it just way easier is what we were just talking about with the audience and the topic. When your audience and topic uh, really closely relates to what they do, like that's step one of grabbing their attention. Like if someone pitches me for a summit and it's, I, I'm not trying to think of an example now, if they pitch me for a summit for my other business where I target designers and it's a summit for all creatives or copywriters. For me, that's an all, right? Um, but if they were to come to me with a summit just for my people, okay, you have my attention now. So that's step one is being really targeted with who, who the summit's for and going after speakers that also have that audience. Then it comes down to you looking like you know what you're doing. So being really organized, giving them the information they need. I really like to have a draft of my registration page as complete as possible. So they can go over if they don't know me and see that this is a real thing. It's put together well. I know what I'm doing. And then as for like benefits for them, that's also something I like to list out right in my pitch email. Uh, I guess first I start with here's what I would need from you. And by the way, it's not all about me. Here's what you get as well. And there's a few things I like to do there. I like to give good affiliate commissions. So I give 40 to 50% affiliate commissions to my speakers. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a summit. Um, so I feel like they deserve that. Um, they've always liked that. I also give them the opportunity um, to pitch something at the end of their presentation. I let them pitch something paid if they want to, but I really tell them you're going to get better results. If you pitch something for free, have a tripwire offer or put them in a, in a proven funnel down the road. Uh, so they like that they're allowed to do that. Um, and you know, just the way to grow their email list and I make it as easy as possible for them. Like people want visibility, leads and money. So if you can show them that they can get those things, it's a really great chance that they'll say yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. No, that's really good advice. And on the other side of the coin, what are the kinds of things we're, we're saying? What's important in the messaging that we put out there to potential attendees to get them interested in attending the summit? So the biggest mistake I see with people doing this is they kind of promote the fact that they're doing a summit because they're like, this was so much work. It's so cool that I'm doing this. Hey, everybody, look, I have a summit. And they're like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. So like, instead of focusing on the fact that, yes, it's this cool thing, you're focusing on those pain points and benefits. So here's this free event with all of these really cool speakers, you know, do some name dropping of, you know, your most visible speakers. And here's what you're going to get out of it. So hit on a benefit that your summit is really focused on. And when it's just for them, solving a problem for free, it's like, heck yes, I'm going to sign up for that. Even if they only go to a couple presentations, you have their attention. They're now on your email list. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah, right. And so it's just all about this is going to you know, come along to this thing. It's going to show you how to get something nice and move away from something horrible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And what tactics do you like the best for getting attendees? 
Yeah. So uh, speakers are just a really great thing to uh, count on. If you are counting on your speakers to promote, you really have to make that clear to them from the initial email you send. There are so many summits going on right now where, you know, you get pitched and maybe it doesn't say anything, but then all of a sudden they send you this contract and it's like, you have to send three solo emails to your email list and post this many times on social media. I'm like, no. Um, so when you, when you're using your speakers, they're part of your promotion strategy, tell them that in the initial email, but also be reasonable, reasonable about it. So I have my speakers send one email, uh, and post once on social media. That way I know at least their audience has a chance to see it. And from there, if they're getting sales through their affiliate link uh, and getting those commissions, they're going to keep promoting. And that's what I saw with my last summit that works even better. If you did do your, your targeting correctly for your summit and pitch the right speakers as well. Uh, so that's really what I focus on. Uh, of course, promoting on your own platforms. Uh, my email list has always been huge for getting attendees, uh, but Facebook ads actually have worked really well for me as well. And I, I mean, I've seen people get under a dollar per lead for their summit and then you're selling the all access pass after. So you're just profiting from those Facebook ads. Uh, for my last summit, I was actually at the break even point, but, but that's cool because now they're on my email list and I can sell them something else. Um, so Facebook ads are also a really great thing to do and you can do them for super cheap by like retargeting people who hit the registration page without signing up or, you know, doing lookalike audiences to your website traffic or email list. And you can do it for you know, a really decent price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it, like it. And, um, when we, when we run the summit or, or, you know, at least when we, when we run it the first time, so when we're not talking about the recordings that we give, you know, people can get access to, but do you, do you prefer that as a live thing or, a, or a summer, all of the, the sessions pre-recorded? what's your preference or advice? So, I say at least for your first one, do pre-recorded. I have never done a live summit. I never will because you will find that dealing with your speakers is like herding cats. And I would rather herd pre-recorded cats than live cats any day. Um, you have to count on them showing up when they're supposed to and having all of the tech work. And that's a lot to count on, especially if you have 20 speakers, counting on 20 people to show up where they're supposed to, when they're supposed to, and have no tech glitches, that's a lot for a you ask. to have on your yeah. shoulders on, as yeah. a summit host. Um, and also during the summit, you are on all week long, even with recorded presentations. You are interacting with people in the Facebook group, which is you know something that I, I just kind of dropped on you guys. I really recommend having a Facebook community for your summit. Um, you're interacting with people in email, you're supporting your speakers and to also have to, you know, be live, making sure things are working all day, every day. That's just a lot for, for one person to manage. And I mean, I guess you could have a team helping out with that as well. Um, but I always recommend pre-recorded for at least the first one and just see how it goes. Yeah, that's good advice. And, um, that makes a lot of sense. And so software, software wise, is there specific software you would have to get to in order to, to pull this off? So I actually recommend that people just use whatever you're using for your regular website. Tech is like a huge hurdle that people let hold them back from doing, doing a summit, but really whatever platform you're on, you can make it work. Um, I'm on WordPress. All of my stuff is on WordPress. That's great. But I have people doing it uh, on Squarespace, but their courses are in like teachable. So they integrate those two things. There's people doing it on ClickFunnels. Um, you know, all kinds of different platforms. There are summit specific platforms. I personally don't 
necessarily recommend them because you're kind of limited by what the creators of that think a summit should look like. Mm -hmm. Um, But like virtual summit software would be my top recommendation if you do just want an all-in-one summit platform that will kind of lead you through getting everything set up. You're not too concerned about, you know, being able to customize things. Um, That's the one that I've seen make it the easiest uh, and just set things up in the best way. Okay. Now that's really good. Um, And do you think there's a limit to how many how many summits you could or should do in a year? I mean, is this just a question of your sanity or is it to do with your audience? I mean, what's your what's your view? <laughs> yeah, I love that you put it that way because seriously, it's all about your sanity. Yeah. Uh, my first time running a summit, I was like, you know, on a high after I was like, oh my gosh, I did not expect it to go that well. I didn't expect to help people that much. I want to do it again. So I did another one six months later and I was like, oh, this is just too much for me. But then I had to make it an annual thing. So I had to do another one six months later. So it lined up with my first one. For me, every six months is is too much because you get done with your summit and like it feels like immediately have to start looking for the next round of speakers. And that's a little bit of an exaggeration. You have a couple months rest, but for me, it was a lot. Uh, So I really like doing it annually. I have people in my program who are doing it quarterly. And that's just what they like to do. They, you know, choose a little bit different topic every quarter. So their audience isn't getting burnt out on it. And they are just like summits is the way they grow their business rather than, you know, one of the ways. So it's, it's totally personal preference and how you feel after that first one, probably. If you've got the energy to do it, to, uh, exactly. to do it again quickly. Um, and, um, and in terms of, uh, of charging for, for access, there's appreciate there's a range and it depends on the market, but what, what kind of price points do you see working? So for the all access pass, is that Mm -hmm. what you're, yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, again, like you said, it's all over the map. I've seen people charge like 20 bucks and for Mm. me, I'm like, why bother? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I have actually raised my prices for every single summit and made more money every single time. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have landed at, I do three different price points throughout my summit. So right after somebody registers, they have 15 minutes to get a super special offer. For me, that's landed at uh, about $47, between 47 and 97, depending on exactly what the offer is. After that 15 minute expires, they can then buy the Alexis Pass for the current regular price. And I just do a price increase once the summit starts. Um, so, you know, I would say the max price I have done is 197 and people still buy at that price point. Um, so like, don't feel like you have to like sell yourself short because this is a free event. People are still willing to buy if you have some, something good to offer. Now, would people pay 200 bucks for just presentations? you know, that's going to be a little iffier, but I like to include bonuses. Like I let my speakers contribute bonuses. If they want to, I contribute my own bonuses. Um, maybe some like co-working calls, networking sessions that you can just host on zoom are great ways to just boost the value of that offer and be able to charge more. So, you know, that's a wide range. Even I do between 47 and 197. Uh, but I haven't run into anything that has not worked yet. Yeah, that's, I really like that. It's a really nice idea, you know, offering, uh, offering a few other things to make it, you know, make it more, a more valuable package, uh, you know, along with the content really like that. Um, um, this has been really great, Chris. Any, any other important tips or, or big mistakes that people make that we need to look out for? I guess, I guess just, you know, we've touched on a lot of things. So something that we haven't talked about yet is just don't put so much pressure on yourself. I see people saying, you know, they come to me like, oh my gosh, I'm hosting the summit. 
next month, I just decided last week and I need to get it done. Can you help me? So overwhelmed. It's like, well, obviously you're overwhelmed if you're trying to organize 20 people, this brand new thing you've never done before, the tech, the website, it's going to be a lot. So take your time, let yourself enjoy the process. I am totally one of those people. I have an idea. I need to do it now. So that 90 day timeline, it can hurt. It can hurt, but it is so worth it to be able to get those details. The details are really what impresses people, the speakers and your attendees. And like the more on board they are, the more they're going to help you do your selling as well. Your speakers are more likely to promote. Your attendees are going to be talking about how awesome it is and spread the word about it. Uh, they're going to be shouting out how great your all access passes and other people will want to buy it. Take your time, get the details right, enjoy the process as much as you can. Yeah, excellent. Really like that. So just to wrap up a little bit there, what is one action people could take right now if they wanted to make a start with this? What's, what's kind of the first thing that they might do? Yep, as long as, as much as you guys won't like me for this, I want you to start with your audience and topic. So what's the, what's the audience for your summit going to be? If you're targeting people like online business owners, entrepreneurs, what subset can you use? And then get some calls scheduled with people to figure out what direction your summit should really go in to make the biggest impact for everybody. I, yeah, I really like that. Rather than just going, right, I've got an idea, let's go. Because that always ends in tears, doesn't it? Uh, usually, yeah, more <laughs> yeah. often than not. Um, no, really great. Um, Chris, this has been excellent. Where, where's the best place for people to get more from you if they would like to? Yeah, so you guys can find me over at summitinabox.co. I actually have a free masterclass for any of you who are really like, okay, like I want to do this thing. I want to host an awesome summit. It's my three-part framework to triple your monthly revenue with a virtual summit while building your list for free. We cover all kinds of good stuff in there, like um, how to make a plan you can actually follow, even if your business is already way too busy, which I feel like most of us can probably say, uh, how to land expert speakers and host a really great event without a huge audience and how to use my three-part profitable summit system to triple your monthly revenue in the size of your email list and that training is at summitinabox.co slash class awesome and uh i just to say uh people you know i have i bought some of krista's info lately and it's really good really thorough so um yeah definitely check it out if you're interested in this topic well thank you you are welcome no it's been really great no krista thank you so much this was really helpful for people i, I do appreciate uh you um talking to me Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you. Apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you. You will get feedback on your ideas. You will get a product concept that is fit for right now and you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away. That is free, but availability is limited. So please go along right now to chatwithrob.com. That is chatwithrob.com. Com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.